0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and podcast on Steelers.com. We just finished breaking down our all-time standard for the Steelers offense. So if you missed that, go to Steelers.com, get to the podcast page, click on Steelers Standard, and make sure you give that a listen because on this episode, we're doing our all-time standard for What is the standard
1: when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers football, and that is the defensive side of the football. I thought last episode was hard with offense. This one is. This one is really,
0: really, really tough. One thing we mentioned on our last episode with offense: these two jokers had Antonio Brown high on their list. Jokers. I won't won't spoil it. I won't spoil it because you should go listen to find out where he was. But he was on both of their lists, not mine. And the thing that they pay attention, watch the film. The thing that they said, which was true is that Antonio Brown reached the height of his position, not just for the Steelers during his tenure, the entire NFL, though. He was the best wide receiver in the league. You really couldn't say that about Ben, Terry, Lynn Swan, whatever. You really couldn't say that about another person offensively.
2: At least for a four- or
0: five-year stretch, you couldn't. Maybe Defensively, though, that yeah, is a whole true. different story. Yeah. You could make that case for five, maybe six guys, really being the face of their position in the league for three four five-year stretches starting at number five for me I don't want to start it's just too hard starting at number five for me this is one that hits pretty close to home this is maybe a little bit of personal bias but I think his accolades certainly merit him making this list your all-time leader in sacks in Pittsburgh Steelers history the 2008 defensive player of the year he returned a touchdown for a hundred or interception for a touchdown over a hundred yards in a Super Bowl Two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro. Mr. James Harrison is the number five player on my all-time standard list. Silverback, man. He was absolutely dominating for his stretch in the league. Such a unique story, too. Cut a couple times. Could not find the field under Bill Cowher. Was more just a special teams player. Most famous thing he did before Tomlin came in was (laughs) slamming a Cleveland Browns uh, fan who ran on the field onto the ground. But then, whatever reason, Mike Tomlin, and this is something that Mike Tomlin does not get enough credit for ever, and he doesn't get credit for much from this town, to be <laughs> quite honest, but he unlocked James Harrison, put him on the field, threw him out there to become a starter, and the rest is history. Just absolutely went uh, bananas once he became a starter in this league in mm-hmm. 2008. He had 16 sacks, then 10 and 10 and a half the years following. That three year stretch, he was just an incredible player to watch 2008, of course, being the year that he also won his defensive player of the year award. So borderline hall of famer, I think for sure, definitely a member of the Steelers hall of honor, no question. And just the impact that he had in that, uh, mid 2010s teams, 2008 to 2012 teams, and the runs that they went on the two Super Bowls that they went to. I mean, he was really not the heart and soul of the defense, but he certainly was, uh, I would say maybe one of the most feared players in the
2: entire NFL. Probably was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a five. It was really a five-year stretch that started in 07. His first year as a starter was a Pro Bowler there, um, and then kind of petered out in 2012. Only had six sacks, but in 2011 still had nine. It's kind of weird too because he was so dominant for those five years, um, but you know what I mean? Like he he didn't make an All-Decade team or anything like that, which is a little weird considering he had an All-Pro. Uh, or uh, defensive player of the year to his credit in one of those years. But it just came at kind of a weird time in the late 2000s. He came mm-hmm. in at number five on my list too. And again, some guys just shine super bright for a super short period of time. Right. And I that, mean, in that it, could five years is a long time. That yeah, is. I mean, when you look at it in, in an NFL bubble, it, it is a long time. And he was probably one of the most, as you said, one of the most feared defensive players throughout that five year stretch. That's and scary, man. you know, I know he left and went to Cincinnati for that one year, but when he came back, He wasn't the same player, obviously. Yeah, wasn't starting. He was thirty-six years old when he came back, but still had five and a half sacks in fourteen. 5-15, 5-15, and 5-16, and, and that's is a 36, then a 37, then a 38-year-old mm-hmm. man. He drew an
0: incredibly crucial holding call in 2016, too, right. against on the Eric Kansas Fisher. City
2: Chiefs in the divisional
1: round right. to help
0: the Steelers get to the championship I believe game. it was
1: on that two-point conversion. It was. That they initially converted, and then they missed it on the second and chance. And it was funny because James Harrison for his entire career
2: was held like every play crazy. Right. And yeah. then they, they finally they call, call one
0: yeah. when he was towards the back end of his career.
2: And I understand too, you know, some people probably turned up their nose at what you said, that he's the fifth best defensive player in football because of what, ha- in Steelers history. I mean, because of what happened at the end of his career. Eh. I, I don't care about that. Like, when you look at what he did on the field, and, you know, you mentioned that he's a Steelers Hall of Honor guy. You know, I'm I'm sure there are some people that vote on the Steelers Hall of Honor that will say, oh, well, he dishonored the Steelers, so he shouldn't. Dude, he's the leader in, in sacks and Steelers history. Like, I'll say this. Come on.
1: Well, yeah, go ahead. Was
0: his exit from Pittsburgh graceful? No. It no. Was no. Sleeping in meetings, that is not good. Those <laughs> reports are not good. He went to the Patriots and started the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. So it's not like I mean, he made he a terrible had a lot decision. Of sacks, like too. like he, he had a couple. W- he went the to year. the playoffs, started every playoff game, and then started in that Super Bowl that the Patriots lost to the right. Eagles. So it's not like he just decided to nuke his way out of town to go play for the Cardinals or something like that. Like he he went to play for a contender,
2: and he won a, You know, and I
0: mean, and now he's pretty welcome in Pittsburgh. I would say. I mean, trying to
1: I
2: think he's, I think he's making his way back. And, yeah,
0: but I think the team in general recognizes him as one of their. He's one of he's the greats. Not a Patriot. No, that's not. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler through and through.
2: You know, is, did he, will he be in Canton one day? Probably not. I don't know. Not. Probably, eh, not. So. probably not. Probably not. Probably he'll dominate so, for a th- long th- enough There are know. so
1: many Steelers who are so good, so great, but because there are so many Steelers already, you have to say to yourself, probably not. Like, we said Heinz Ward, like he was Like, ba-
0: if he was a bangle for his career, he's the yeah. best bangle of all time. Right, but because he's a Steeler, he's maybe top 10 all-time in Pittsburgh history, maybe. Yeah.
2: You know what and I mean? And I think that's a great point by you, Tom, that you just said, like, if he was a bangle, if he was an Atlanta Falcon, he he's would the best be, ever. He'd be the best ever. And here in Pittsburgh, there are some people that look at him like a pariah. Like, yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he's a bum because of the way that he We're left. We're spoiled. Right. Absolutely. That, absolutely, yeah.
1: Did he make your top five, Yeah, pillars? he's number, he's number five. five. Yeah. Okay, so I had a different number five here. I went James Harrison made my honorable mentions, mm-hmm. which I think is totally fair. Totally fair. I think for my number five, I went Jack Ham. Who I put Who's it, on my honorable mention.
0: Okay, there you go. Same I mean, term. he's
1: just so good. I mean, we, we talked about him on our all time standard episode for the linebackers uh, at the outside position. Just so good. I mean, we talk about how great Jack Lambert is who will we all, without a question, have on our lists a little bit higher up. But the argument can be made as great as Jack Lambert was at the inside position. And I said this on our in, on our episode about Jack Ham. Earlier, I said as great as Jack Lambert was at the inside, Jack Ham may have been even better, respectively, at his outside position. Just so absolutely dominant. And you want to talk about getting to the cornerback as the edge rusher. He did that, but he also, I believe, leads all Steelers uh, in in Steelers history with interceptions. So not just able to disrupt the pocket or, or disrupt the ball behind the line of scrimmage, but also his ability to make plays beyond the line of scrimmage was almost incomparable just because at his position, you don't really see linebackers and the, and being talked about their ability to take the ball away through the air. It's always through fumbles. And he was able to do both disrupting behind the line of scrimmage and then taking the ball away through the air. Just so absolutely dominant. And you cannot talk about that defense without mentioning Jack ham. I mean, just so, so good. And I, I referenced this also when we were Cal and I were having the conversation at his Hall of Fame enshrinement, uh, Joe Paterno was the one who was making his speech because it's also argued, it's the argument can be made that he's the greatest Penn State football player of all time. He might
0: be the best linebacker in college football history. Yeah. yeah. He really could be. Yeah. One thing that's funny about Jack Ham and Mark has told me this story a couple of times, both on the air and off the air, that because Mark and Ham used to do a show together. So, like, they, oh, really? they're, good, okay. they're close. Now he's been on the show a couple of times before, too. But Jack Ham said to him, look, if I, it's all about where you're drafted in the NFL. That's a mm-hmm. big part of it. And we just mentioned how if Harrison was on the Bengals, he would be uh, a superstar there and maybe the best of all time. Well, Ham kind of took the other approach with this. He said that if he was drafted by the New Orleans Saints, he's convinced he would have been a nobody. Yeah. He's convinced he wouldn't have been it's really fair. remembered in the NFL. But the fact that he was drafted by the Steelers and was on that defense with all that talent around him, it really let him shine at the niche that he was amazing at, which is, like you said, that outside spot, not only stopping the run, but also being such a prolific stop uh, pass coverage guy, 32 interceptions in his career at that position is outstanding. So it's about where you get drafted, and it's just funny to me that he – you don't really get that kind of a perspective from an athlete, but for him to be able to sit back and really recognize that and say that, that's, that's something incredibly special that you don't hear too often. Right. You don't really right. hear – even if they are retired, you don't really hear him say – man, you know, if I was drafted by the wrong team, I don't know if I really would have panned out as well as I did. So it's just a really funny little anecdote. That, no, of course, uh, he but I, the Steelers really made him as much as he helped make the Steelers. Which
1: I can appreciate him for saying that, but still, you're as if you're Jack. He would have been good in the Saints. He would have been I mean, good. He would have been good. But it's nice to see that he was humble. But, but was, he probably wouldn't have been as recognizable. The last thing, yeah, probably that's true. When you're the only guy on that team, compared to I mean, maybe curtain. maybe you could say the opposite because he'd be the only guy. He'd be the face of that franchise. He'd probably go down as the greatest. New Orleans scene Saint of all time, maybe ever, yeah. maybe only behind Drew Brees. But to to, to round out our conversation about Jack Ham at his Hall of Fame enshrinement, Joe Paterno was speaking, and he had said. Someone once asked me, what's my favorite play that Jack Hamm made while at Penn State? And he said, I really couldn't think of one because I don't know if he ever made a bad play. <laughs> his entire time with Penn State was just one long highlight reel. And I think you could say the same about his pro career. The guy never made a mistake. He was always on it. He was as consistent as you could possibly want. And like I said earlier, as great as Jack Lambert was, Jack Ham may have been better just at the outside linebacker position.
0: We mentioned how Jack Hamm is the Steelers' leader from linebackers as far as interceptions are concerned. Well, my number four guy is the leader in interceptions mm. overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have Mel Blunt number, number forty-seven. Four. Number 47. I have him they, also my number they four. They changed the yeah. damn rules of the game because of him, because he was too physical. They changed the way that you could cover in the league because of Mel Blunt. That in itself is such an honor, maybe second only to making to the Hall of Fame, the fact that they actually changed the game because of your impact So incredible, five-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer, like I mentioned, and the career leader in interceptions with 57 for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Always a recognizable uh, guy around Pittsburgh to this day with his cowboy hat. You'll never miss Bill Blunt if you see him out in public. 99% of the time he'll be wearing that cowboy hat, which is just awesome. A 13-year career, all of them spent in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform. Mm -hmm. No question the best defensive back in Pittsburgh Steelers history, uh, cornerback in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Cause, Need to throw that disclaimer yeah, out there yeah, for yeah, a guy yeah. that's coming up on my list. But same here hats off to Mel Blunt, uh, a cowboy hat off to Mel Blunt <laughs> because what an incredible talent that was. And, and again, I, I said it three times, I'll say it a fourth he changed the way that the game is played. Yep. They had to rewrite the rule book because he was so dominant. Yeah. What an honor
2: that I is. I mean, he and Donny Shell both. I mean, Donny Shell's outside on my list, but I have Bonnie at four. on, Donny Shell's on my own. Yeah, he's mentioned. on my honor mention. But of course I'm, he is. When you look at Mel Blunt, I have him at four too, Tom. Um, oh, look at us. Yeah, we all, all in four agreement. I have a yeah.
1: feeling we're going to have a top four that's the, the exact same? same. I think. Down it list. Yeah, yeah, it might
2: be. Um, but when you, like you said, when you look at Mel Blunt, you look at the impact that he had on the game and, Donnie Shell too. I mean, like you said, they changed the rules. And when you do that for somebody, you know, it says a lot about the player that you were. And, I mean, just dominance. That's really the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that someone, you know, when, when the rules get changed because of what you do, that just means that you're dominant. Oh, yeah. Um, and, again, the accolades speak for themselves, you know, a five-time Pro Bowl or a four-time Super Bowl champ, two-time first-team All-Pro, Hall of Famer, you know, defensive player of the year. The, the accolades go on and mm-hmm. on and on. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that we're gonna save the next three guys that we talk about. But, um yeah, I mean, Mel Blunt, without question, one of the best sealer defensive players of all time. No doubt. No doubt about it. I, I,
1: you know you 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 can as a cornerback, usually your your highlight reel comes from what you do in the secondary. But all the footage you see of Mel Blunt comes in those first couple yards on the line of scrimmage when as soon as the ball is snapped, he's just taking his receivers and throwing them to the ground. How entertaining is that to watch when you're a guy who's meant to be played or your position is meant to be played freely throughout – open field and all of your highlights come in in forms of tackling at the line of scrimmage yeah i mean he obviously changed the game and i don't want to hear anyone say that ronnie lott's the best cornerback to ever play the game or the best state i don't see that at all i get he was great but when you consider mel blunt's dominance against guys just going up people i don't think people really feared ronnie Lott. i and we talked about james harrison being feared I think every single one of these guys that we'll talk about moving forward was absolutely feared when people went up against them, and Mel Blunt is no exception to that rule. People were scared to line up on the sidelines and look look down the field and see Mel Blunt there because you knew there was a hit coming if he didn't already throw you to the ground once the ball was snapped. You just didn't know where and when it was coming, but you knew your head was going to be on a swivel if you were going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Google Mel Blunt Cliff Branch and then see the first video
0: where it's titled Mel Blunt tries to kill Cliff Branch in 1976. <laughs> he looks like Captain Insano doing a power bomb on him. Cliff Branch catches the ball in the middle of the field, immediately is wrapped up by Blunt. They kind of get like stuck standing up and blunt just decides to spin him around once pick him up off the ground and slam him into the ground that kind of illustrates what you were saying not just as a member of the secondary but he was a mean son of a gun mm-hmm. as well and i know he's not on our top 5 but while you're looking at mel blunt try to kill cliff branch also take a look at his running partner Donnie shell mm-hmm. and try to kill earl campbell in a game as well oh absolutely both of those guys for members of the you know as hard as the Steelers would hit in those seventies up front and in that linebacking court, they hit almost even harder in the secondary. So oh, no matter abs- what I level you absolutely. got to, you were getting your clock cleaned if you played against those Steelers and they were certainly such a fun team to watch. The hell if I would know because we weren't alive. Right. We weren't even thought. I, I would them, give anything. You know they to were a fun those, team to watch. Yeah. I would have loved to watch the Carnage on display during those NFL Sundays. Number three on my list. We'll see if we continue to match here. This might be the only one that gets a little flip-flop for some people. But I have Jack Lambert at number three on my all-time Steelers list. The Toothless Wonder for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the most famous Sports Illustrated covers of all time, Jack Lambert's. Might be mean might be the most recognizable
1: team. Sports Illustrated cover ever.
0: Nine times he made the Pro Bowl, uh, a first-team All-Pro. Real quick, let me one, two, three, four, five, six times he was a first-team All-Pro for the NFL. Nine times going to the Pro Bowl. He's in the Hall of Fame. Maybe the meanest player in the history of the NFL. I, I mean, probably I know that the num- most menacing. number one on we've, all of we've our talked lists about is mean, yeah. but this guy was definitely meaner and in, just incredibly what an intimidating force he was member of all four of the Steelers Super Bowl teams in the 70s, and then he played a little bit into the 80s, about four years into the 80s as well. A Pittsburgh Steeler for life, maybe one of the best middle linebackers of all time. You think of Ray Lewis, you think of Brian Erlacher, you think of Jack Lambert. They're all right in that class with each other. Some others that I'm probably forgetting as well, but just again, what an impact he had on this team. Uh, at, at the middle of that defense, hard, one of the hard-hitting guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about looking up
1: uh, Mel Blunt highlights. Just look up Jack Lambert hitting anybody. Oh, anyone. An, an I mean, one, one of the best is I think it was either Super Bowl ten or Super Bowl thirteen. I believe it was Super Bowl ten, when the Steelers were going to kick a field goal against the Cowboys, and we missed the field goal. And whoever the defender was on Dallas was teasing our kicker And Jack Lambert just took him by the collar and with one hand, and maybe it was his least his less dominant hand, I think it was his left, he just threw him to the ground. Just he had one hand on him, grabbed the jersey, was able to throw him down. That says so much about him. A, he was no BS, and B, he didn't need to use his whole body to take a guy down. He just needed a little pinch on your jersey, and you were on the ground.
0: Won the Super Bowl his rookie season, starting every single game his rookie season in 1974. Then he went back-to-back. So for the first two years, he knew nothing but winning Winning, Super Bowls. Then he took a couple years off, and then he just decided to win back-to-back again. So Mm -hmm. what an incredible young start to Jack Lambert's career. And then, like I said, he played 10 full seasons for your Pittsburgh Steelers. So he certainly has the longevity as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I have...
2: I have um, Lambert higher. I have him at two. You have I, two. I, have, you I have
0: also have two. Lambert so at you're, two. So my number two is your number three. Yeah, yes. for sure. yeah, sure. Troy. Yeah, uh,
2: absolutely. I mean, we'll
1: get the Troy after we we continue talking about Lambert.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to say about Lambert. I mean, I think you guys covered it. Um, one of the most iconic players, not just in Steelers history, but in football history. Um, you know, you, you, as you said, Tom, you, you think of the the you know, two the, the Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated color cover and and that sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys covered it. I mean, it's pretty. His accolades are amazing. Like looking at his Pro Football Reference page, like there's almost two full rows of accolades for him. Like th- there's not many guys that you know when you click on their their little page, there's not many guys that have that, and he certainly does. But uh, but yeah, um, the next guy, um, Tom. If you want to start talking about Troy, he's your what your th- he's, I got Troy at number two. At I got Troy number three.
1: I got Troy number three.
0: Troy, just I mean, that was the guy we grew up with. Watching dominate on defense, I said that you know James Harrison was such a big part of that those defenses, if not the heart and soul. But the heart and soul was absolutely Troy Polamalu, Uh, best player uh, on the Steelers during those stretches on those uh, mid to uh, early mid two thousands teams. Best player in the NFL, in my opinion, at that position as well. I know a lot of people will argue Ed Reed. And it's fair; those two will go back and forth forever as who Mm -hmm. was better, Troy or Ed Reed. It was just an outstanding era in the league uh troy defensive player of the year winner uh four-time first team all pro been to the pro bowl eight times i mean this is a guy two-time super bowl champion 2010 was when he won that defensive player of the year hall of fame all 2000s team for the decade accolades just accolade after accolade after accolade you don't know troy though unless you saw troy play He played with such reckless abandon, and Mm. Ed Reed— And it paid off almost every moment. With Ed Reed being great, he was more of a prototypical safety. Troy Polamalu would—you didn't know where Troy Polamalu was going to line up. Um, There's so many famous stories about, you know, Pat McAfee finally getting to run his fake. (laughs) Polamalu's in the c Polamalu's in the (laughs) C-gap, and he's not supposed to be there. I've heard similar stories about Peyton Manning saying that, You know, one of his least favorite players to play against was Troy Polamolo because Peyton was such a a technician when it came to diagnosing defenses. He knew what the defense was supposed to do more than the defense itself. And he'd look out there and he'd be like, well, hold on. 43 is not in the right position right now. What the Mm -hmm. hell's going on? Timeout. I can't run this play. Mm -hmm. It, It was just the fact that he zigged whenever he was supposed to zag and Jacob, like you said, almost 99% of the time the zig worked out. I don't know.
1: I don't know a time when it didn't, to be uh, honest. A ma- maybe later in his career, I
0: think yeah. he might have taken a couple gambles yeah. that he shouldn't have, but that's just because his athleticism was starting to leave him. It had nothing to do with the fact that he, you know, was making a, he dumb was just play. a guy who made he careless just didn't mistakes. Really know about his right. He wasn't doing, he thought he was a younger self and that's probably hard to adjust uh, yeah. your body. To, like to accept,
1: to come to terms with, of sure.
0: Favorite Troy Palamoli play. <sighs> oh, it's so hard. It's, Probably you gotta say the first, AFC
1: Championship game. That's so big, but I, I just play
0: in general to me that the most impact of a Troy play. I for still, sure. I still
1: think. it, I mean, the jumping over the line to sack Kerry Collins is one of the things. I don't think we'll ever see that again. That game was so defensively dominant for the Steelers. It was awesome to watch. I think the final score of that game was like twelve to ten or if something. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Troy Palmolo, Kerry
0: Collins. They're sack. Steelers playing the Titans. Right. Titans were on like the goal line, like and Troy times the snap count perfectly where before the offensive line can even get out of their stance, he jumps He's over them. Over that was the grabs, first time he did In it, the same yeah. moment, grabs Kerry Collins and just brings him to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like the refs don't even know. Like It's like a delay
1: before Everyone they roll the whistle. Like, Wait, is that the play? Yeah. Did the play just end? There's a great play that came in the earlier set of his career. I believe it was 2006, so he was only three or four years in, when it was in Denver and there's kind of like a screen pass going on, and he's almost flipped backwards, and he has the wherewithal to know where the guy with the ball is, and he just reaches his hands backwards and grabs the guy and is able to tackle him to the ground. Just, I mean, you could talk about his, his ability to make plays no matter where he is on the field, but that just shows how much of a... Radar he had for where the ball was. There were three defenders in front of him on that screen pass, and he was flipped backwards away from where the ball handler was, and he was still able to just put his arms behind him and get to the guy and take him down. Another great play.
2: Yeah, I mean, one six out opening night against Tennessee. I was was just going to say that too.
1: What's up
0: with him in Tennessee?
2: Yeah, yeah, he just had a thing for them. And I think the biggest thing too about troy is like you guys have kind of referenced it, but. The, the the fact that it looked like he didn't know what he was doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, he did, yeah. But he did, you know. It, 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 he completely changed the way safety's played. he As you said, you know, Peyton Manning would go up to the line like, why is he over there? Like, he's not normally over there. He's not There's suppo- a reason. even say he's not supposed he's to not be supposed there. He's not supposed to be there, right. And it, it looked like he, you know, again, he didn't know what he was doing, and he would take calculated risks. And he would, you know, he would leave – some guys open sometimes you know what I mean like uh, safeties and things like that like they would have to cover for him Ryan Clark a big uh, you know a big part of that but um, yeah I mean most of the time it paid off I mean he just he just was different you know I think that's the best way like if you gave me one word to describe Choi I think difference the best one you know he was just a different cat you know
1: that's incredible another play that really (laughs) sticks out to me is um, his we talk about the AFC championship game the pick six, we We've talked about his ability to jump over the line of scrimmage against Tennessee, but how about the game where he did both? The AFC Championship game, when he jumped over the line of scrimmage to stop Joe Flacco from doing the quarterback sneak to kind of extend that drive that they were going on. That came before the pick six, and everyone was saying, look at how great of an athlete Troy Polamalu was. I guess that was the first time he did it, because the Tennessee game was a couple of years later, but that one also has to stick out in your memory. There was a game against the
0: Ravens as well in a regular season game. Oh, it was the game in, where Ben farmed uh Terrell Suggs, Suggs away from
1: him. This is this is the, this is in Baltimore. It's a Sunday Night Football game. The Ravens was ruling the game. I, I mean, think the score was like 10 to 6 in the favor Steelers of Baltimore. Could not move no, they the didn't. At all.
0: So the Ravens are in deep in their own territory. I kid you not, it I remember. It was like a shot out of a cannon. I was smiling from ear to ear before he even got to Flacco. Because you knew what was happening. And I swear he lifted up his arm to karate chop the ball like a good three steps before he even got there. So there was like three steps where he was running like a samurai, (laughs) ready to karate chop Flacco. Karate chops the ball off his hand. Lamar Woodley picks it up. He almost scores a touchdown. The Steelers do end up getting into the end zone a couple of plays later. Just an incredible player. And finally, before we move on to number one, I know we're out of time, but I just got to get this quote in on Tom Brady talking about Troy. One key to success for a quarterback is to study a lot of film in order to understand defensive tendencies and know how the defense will try to defend everything you are trying to do as an offense. But that never worked against Troy. He was one of the most instinctive and disruptive players I have ever played against. Outside of his incredible athleticism, his greatest skill was his unpredictability.
1: That's coming from the goat, Tom yeah. Brady another, himself. another one that right before we have to move on is again that same game. So many games where he had multiple plays that are so iconic. But the one that Kellen was talking about that season over against Tennessee, he had that one handed grab before that. The Chargers, it was, no, 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 no. it was the same game. It was Tennessee opening night, it was before the, the interception happened. Tennessee was back in their own territory. This was coming off of Chris Johnson's 2,000 yard season. They do a pitch to the right, to the left. And Chris Johnson has all this open field, and the camera doesn't even have Troy in in the frame. And all of a sudden, you just see him dart, and Chris Johnson is tackled for, like, a six-yard loss. You think Chris Johnson, with his speed, can just run on that open field. But Paul Mello, again, like that Baltimore play, shot out of a cannon and gets that tackle for a loss. Incredible.
0: He also had one against the Chargers where he literally had two fingers two oh, fingers yeah, under the tip of the ball oh, and make yeah. the interception. Phil Simms literally lost his mind on the broadcast if you look that one up. Number one, though, on this list is, and think about think about how great this number one has to be. All Considering of the things all we the just other said guys, about Troy Polamalu, yeah. what we said about everyone else. but Mean Joe Green is just at a cut above even everybody that we just mentioned on this list. Uh, absolutely the face of the Steelers' defense, but also absolutely just the face of the Pittsburgh Steelers in general, a- and will continue to be for as long as time exists i mean no one will ever let any steelers fan growing up forget or learn about the legacy of mean joe green he came in the late 60s to the pittsburgh steelers team drafted in 1969 was a pro bowler right out of the gate he started every single game his rookie season Uh, He made the Pro Bowl almost every single year except for three seasons where he was not a Pro Bowler. Interesting enough, though, for pro football reference, in 1977 it says he wasn't a Pro Bowler, but he was a first-team All-Pro. So I'm not really sure how that one shook out that year. But uh, regardless, always going to the Pro Bowl, almost always a first-team All-Pro. He made the Hall of Fame All-1970s decade team. Won two Defensive Player of the Years in his career, the only Steeler player to ever do that. He won the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year, and of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you, you just you you only really have to say Mean Joe Green, yeah, and that's you don't need much analysis after that because everybody out there listening already just knows the impact and the legacy that Mean Joe
2: had on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he's the greatest defensive player of all time in the history of, of the all league. time. I mean, F- Aaron Donald may give him a run for his money by the end of. His I don't career. know if
1: he, if you could even ever touch.
2: I don't know if you can, but I'm just saying he, he could. He's the only guy that you could maybe make a conversation. Yeah, think
0: about for. how, like, you know, Super Bowl rings, Brady passes Mo- Montana. Yeah. He's the greatest. Well, Donald, e- even JJ J. Watt has passed um, Mean Joe as far as defensive player of the year awards are concerned. That still doesn't
2: even. I, come I close don't think to being enough, They need yeah. to like
0: triple his output for it to even start to come close to being a factor that matters and them supplanting him as the greatest of all time.
2: I mean, I, I'm not trying. I know this is about Joe Green. I just pulled up Aaron Donald's pro football reference. He's the closest for the hell one. Of uh, he's already got seven Pro Bowls, six All-Pros. Me and Joe Green had 10 uh, pro, Bowl, pro Bowls and four All-Pros. I know, obviously, the Super Bowl championships, he's got four of them. Donald's got zero. Um, he has been the one. But, again, he's the only guy that, even rivals him. And, and oh, by the way, Donald has three defensive player of the years, and mean Joe only had two. I mean, no, that's no, no, no. He's the don't get me wrong, he's the one that's the one. Do it. Yeah, but uh, there's nobody else that's even close. Is but he right even, now? He's the best defensive player ever. And he's it's just impossible to be as impactful to the
0: LA Rams organization as yeah. Joe Green was to the Pittsburgh Steelers, right. no matter what he does.
2: No, I completely agree because you know, the pedigree and you know, uh, the Super Bowls, obviously he's got four, and like I said, Donald's got zero, but. Yeah, I mean the impact that he had, not just on the Steelers, but league wide. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still felt today and he hasn't you know, he hasn't played a football game since nineteen eighty one. And I also would bet that Donald puts on another uniform before his career is over. Fair. It's me, possible.
0: Me, just 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 when you just consider the, the, the state goes goes of free agency.
1: Through, yeah. yeah. The, I think the great point that we've said about all of these guys on our top five, except for Joe or er, Joe, James Harrison, is that they were all Steelers for life. These guys were as committed as any single person could be to a team. And not only did they have that, but they were also so great. They were so great. And that's why you got to put them on your list because not only were they great, but they were Steelers through and through.
0: Quickly before we wrap it up, just a couple of names. So many names. I, I mean, had on my
1: honorable mention, and I definitely
0: left a couple off. So feel free to jump on me if I did. But. Elsie Greenwood, Uh Jack Ham, Donnie Shell, Kevin Green, Dwight White, Greg Lloyd, Joey Porter, James Ferrier, maybe I think James Ferrier was very underrated. Casey Hampton, uh, um, Cameron Hayward, Cam Hayward, and I actually put Ike Taylor on my list
1: as well too. Yeah, I mean Kellen put Ike Taylor in in his top five. Yeah, his DBs. He was really good when he was. No, he was really good. I mean that's not. I mean. You're forgetting, ball, you're forgetting. You're forgetting one though. You didn't, yeah. You left off Rod Woodson. Rod you know I mean? Woodson. Oh my
0: God, that's a terrible this, omission. Rod Woodson's thing. like uh, number six or seven honestly. I'd say
1: no. Rod Woodson's good. number six. The only reason I didn't put I put you guys put uh, James Harrison at number five. I put Jack Ham at number five. Rod Woodson did not make my top five and probably will get a lot of flack for that. But the reason he didn't make my top five is because he wasn't a stealer for life. Every that's guy. Funny. Every guy in my top five was a stealer for life. Well, that's going to do it for the Steelers Standard today. Thanks so much for
0: listening. Uh, we will be back again next week with a whole bunch of new episodes for you guys to enjoy. In the meantime, check out our work from this week and previously at Steelers.com. Check out the podcast page and click on Steelers Standard there. For Jacob Brecht and Gursky, I'm Tom Opferman. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you next time.